Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Hey, I'm glad you're here today. If you have your Bible with you, I want to invite your attention to 1 John chapter number 4. We have been going through 1 John in this series that we've called our Summer Playlist. This is our Summer of Love. I love, love, love what we're going to be talking about today. I hope it'll be an encouragement to you uh, in your walk with the Lord this morning. We're super duper glad. Got to meet some new friends that are with us for the first time today, church. Let's make our first time guests feel welcome this morning. So glad that you are all here today. I want to welcome everybody that's watching online. And we also want to, I want to say a little hi to Marianne Stewart, who's watching online today, because I sent her a text this morning and told her she had to. <laughs> we love Marianne, and she uh, found out on Friday that she's going to be having surgery on August the 22nd uh, to have some repair done to her heart valves. And we want to ask you to continue to pray for her as she's recovering. I know that she will be back in church before that in the next few weeks. Not that I'm saying you have to be, but I'm hoping you are. But uh, seriously, we want to continue and pray for her. If you want to shoot her an encouraging email or send her a card or something, uh, the, the, the love that our church has demonstrated towards the Stewart family, they have certainly appreciated and um, acknowledged that online this week. And uh, just want to thank you for loving your church family. It means a lot, church. It really, really does. Um, today I'm going to talk to you about uh, this This. I love the title that, that we came up with with, our, with my message this week. Just give me the bottom line. How many of you loathe car shopping? Raise your hand up in the air, right? And if there's any car salesmen in here, we love you. We honor you. I'm, I don't want to say anything disparagingly against your trade. But, you know, when I go in to buy a car, I kind of have to get myself worked up a little bit that um, I'm, I'm going to... I'm not going to settle. I'm going to stick with my price that I want. I'm going to make sure that uh, I feel like I'm getting a good deal. Because you know you've done this. You've, you went in. You bought a car. You made a, a best friend. I mean, even a new Facebook friend, right, out of your car salesman. And then you're kind of pulling away, and you're going, man, I wonder if I really got a good deal. I wonder if I could have gotten a little bit less on that. I wonder if I could have, you know, got a couple more little ads on there. And, and you kind of wonder if you got the bottom line price or if there was anything attached to it, right? Well, what's this is the price you're giving me, but then you have all this fine print in your contract and things like that. And it gets, you know, it's, it's a little hard sometimes when you're navigating through that thing because we all want to get to the bottom line. And I'm going to equate it to a funny story that happened to us a few years ago. We took a bunch of folks from our church to Guatemala. Cannot wait to take another missions trip with our church family. Cannot wait. But... Um, we were in Guatemala, and every time we've taken a missions trip, we go into, uh, you know, kind of a shopping area where you can go buy, you know, little, uh, we used to, in the Philippines, we call it the chungi. You can buy little, you know, stuff that you can take home, little whatnots and so forth to show that you were there, little crafty things, and a lot of it's the same stuff. What you'll find if you've been to multiple foreign countries, most of those areas where you buy the souvenirs, it's really the same stuff. Like when we were in uh, Kenya, Africa, it's very similar and crafty like the stuff that's in Central America. I don't know how that works. I didn't see any tags on it that said made in China or anything, but 
I know it's just a very similar feel. So anyway, we go in there, and one of the things that our missionary said to us, hey, when you go in, you can negotiate, right? So we told our folks in there, hey, you know, negotiate a good price. Well, you thought that they were buying a car as, as, as hardcore as they were trying to negotiate a T-shirt that was listed for $4 that they knew they could get for $2. I just know you could do this for me for $2, you know. And they were going back and forth just so they can get to the bottom line. So I want you to think about that as we read through this passage in 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation this morning. Dear friends, don't believe everybody who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if we have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. But if somebody claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person... Uh, has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Those people belong to this world, so they speak from the world's viewpoint. And the world listens to them. But we listen to God, and those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they don't listen to us. That is how we know if somebody has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another because love comes from God and anybody who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anybody who does not love does not know God because God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his only, one and only son into the world so that we may have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought in full expression through us, or in us. And God has given us the spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, uh, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God has God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. This is such a, this passage of scripture is so rich in really, really good Biblically sound, I know it's the Bible, so of course it's biblically sound, but really good, deep spiritual teaching describing and helping us understand the richness that we have in our relationship with God. And there's some things in this passage that, that you kind of can, you know, you kind of can overlook and just kind of, oh yeah, God sent his son Jesus, if you believe in him you're saved, if you don't believe in him you're not saved. There's a lot of different things that are said in here, but the basic part, the basic thing that we want to learn through this passage today is why we're supposed to love one another. Why are we supposed to love one another? Why is that such a valued thing to God? Why does he tell us in 1 John scores of times that he requires us to love one another? And if something happens in this passage of scripture, he says to love one another, love one another, love one another. But then he goes on to say this, because you have Jesus in you, 
you're supposed to love one another. If you don't love people, then you probably don't have Jesus in you. And that makes us all scratch our heads a little bit and go, wait a minute, I don't love everybody all the time. Right? There are times in our lives where we don't really necessarily feel that we have love for everybody. And, this, and we're not talking about, you know, m maybe people that, you know, we talk about traffic sometimes, or we talk about bad days at work, or we talk about business and things like that. I'm talking about people in your family. You could say amen to this if you want to, unless you're sitting next to somebody that you feel this way about. It's kind of hard to love all of our family sometimes. Oh, that was a loud amen. Good golly, Miss Molly. But, I, but it's the truth, isn't it? <coughs> and we're told, like my dad said to me, and I told just a couple weeks ago, you better love your brother. I'm going to beat the living tar out of you. Like he said that to us, so we had to pretend like we loved one another. And when dad wasn't there, that's when, we, you know, the throwdown happened, right? But God tells us something that's very, very interesting here. And it really goes back to the principle of physics. For every action, there is an equal what? An opposite reaction, right? So if God gave his son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross for our sins so that we can have a forever relationship with him. Because God did that for you and he did that for me, the reaction that we're supposed to have because Christ lives inside of us is, the equal reaction is, God loved me, I'm giving my heart to him, I accept his love, I accept his forgiveness, I accept his sacrifice, therefore, because that's true in my life, I'm going to take on this attribute of my father. Right? Uh, a, lot of, a lot of you could probably look at things where you resemble your dads. Uh, if my dad were here, you would recognize that he's my dad. He's a very large man. He's about six foot eight. Uh, we, talk, we, we have a lot of same, you know, mannerisms in our voice. We talk about the same things. I don't like to say this. We both have the same color hair, but I don't know what that's all about. But my dad is uh, 75 years old. He's going to be 76 in October. And when I'm with my dad, you can tell he's my dad. I mean, you could just tell. We act alike. We look alike. We talk alike. There's a lot of things about us where I resemble my father. Well, on top of the physical resemblance, there's also some things and values that I've taken on in my life because he's my father. All the dumb sports stuff that I talk about all the time, blame my dad for it. It comes right from him. And it really... And the reason it's so cemented in, in, in my heart is because of, of, it was so important to him, it became important to me, and now it's a bond that we share with one another. So it's like this prison I'm living in, being a Philadelphia sports fan my whole life. I can't get out of it, and I'm okay with that. But that's something we share, right? That's something we have. There are other things that, that, that we share, uh, you, you know, because, because of who we are and the house that I grew up in. Like, I, I remember, you know, coming from a Catholic background, Every Friday night growing up, without fail, we had pizza. And during Lent, we had pizza without meat on it. But you could still have pizza. Every Friday night, it was uh, Pinocchio's Pizza. And what we did, and some of you can remember these days, of handmade uh, little uh, family's pizza shops. On the outside of the cardboard box, If you, there was a little coupon on the outside of the cardboard box. And cardboard boxes are hard to cut with scissors. So we had to use an X-Acto knife, Right. But on the outside of this was buy 10 pizzas, get one pizza free. So we would get three pizzas every Friday night for our family, one for my dad, 
one for me and my brother and the other pizza for my, two, my other two siblings and my mom. And we would, we would both do that and we would hover around hoping there would be a piece of pizza left over afterwards. But my brother and I would always cut those things out because when we got to 10, we would get the free pizza. And my dad would always, hey, where are those coupons at? I don't know, dad. They're somewhere. I just don't know what happened to it. And we would buy pizza on a non-Friday night on a Tuesday. It was, it was amazing, right? But pizza was a value to us, right? Uh, hoagies and cheesesteaks and all those different, that's what we grew up on. It's not really that hard to believe if you know me. But all those things became very, very significant in my lives. Why? Because I just wanted to do things that my father saw that I did that were like him. One thing that was really, really important to my dad, and he just drove it into us as a, at a very, very young age. I started working for my pop when I was 12 years old at his store full time. And he would say it to me, if not every single day, but maybe three or four times a day, People will see the kind of character you have in one way by the kind of work ethic that you have. Don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. Marantini, remember we talked about this week in our one-on-one time where we dug that hole and it was 109 degrees outside together, right? My dad said, you you be the first person to work. You be the last person to leave. You have a reputation that you are a get-or-done person. That you, have, that you can be counted on. That you're going to be there. Don't call in sick if you don't need to call in sick. And I said to my dad, he had the greatest response I've ever heard to this. Well, I said, Dad, what if you're sick? He said, well, I tried to call in sick one day, but because I own the store, when I called the store, nobody answered, so I had to go to work anyway. And I could tell you funny stories. And when when I called my dad, I called my dad on a Friday night. I was playing basketball with some friends, and I broke my ankle, went to the emergency room, called my dad. We had a big, big, big order for Villanova University that day for 1,000 sandwiches on top of our normal busy day. I called my dad from Riddle Hospital. Dad, I broke my ankle tonight. I don't know what I'm going to do. He says, man, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm okay. Your insurance covering it? Yeah, we're fine. Well, make sure they put a boot on you and get a good plastic bag because it's going to be a long day tomorrow. (laughs) I worked 16 hours the day after I broke my ankle because you do what you have to do, right? You just, and, and, and the old timers in here are going, yeah, man, I got those kind of stories too. It's the stories of walking to school uphill both ways in the snow, right? We have this. I was telling, I was telling uh, somebody just the other day, this is funny. When I was 23, 24, uh, I had five wisdom teeth taken out. You see, I thought there were only four wisdom teeth. I had one growing up under my tongue. I was like a beast. I don't know what it was. My dad said, schedule the surgery early. And if you've had, uh, if you've, if you've had uh, this kind of surgery, you're going to know what this means. He said, and don't go under, only get a local. So I had five wisdom teeth taken out with local anesthetic. I got to the store at 9.30 and worked a 10-hour day. Because I had gauze in my mouth, blood dripping while I'm making people sandwiches. Now, doesn't that make you hungry, right? But you... That's, that was just a value. And that, be, and that really becomes a badge of honor. Like that became a badge of honor in our conversations, you know. Hey, Dad, I'm here, I'm here today. I'm working all day because it's important to us, right? And it was important. So I wanted to take on the attributes of my father because I love my father. And I honored my father. And I wanted to be more like him. And here's what God is saying here in the scripture. Just like your relationship with your own dad if, if you have great memories of your father. Not everybody does. And I understand that. But God says this, look at what I've done for you. Now I want you to start acting like me. Because you, you, know, you know what happens in our lives? We want to act like ourselves. 
We don't want to be who God tells us to be, right? Submitting to God and surrendering ourselves to God and, and not being who we were. I said it a couple weeks ago in regards to our relationship with Christ. If you are what you were, then you probably ain't, right? Because when God saved you, something took place in your life where he changed you. Katie sang about it this morning, that awesome, awesome song about the Holy Spirit. God left us a comforter that lives inside of us, that guides us in truth, that convicts us of sin, that talks to God on our behalf, that helps us understand God's holy inspired word. Why did he do that for us? Well, because we needed it, but mostly because he loves us. And he wants our response to him to be, if I loved you and you love me, then you gotta start loving what I love. And you gotta start caring about the things and valuing the things that I care about. So let's go through this this morning. We are to love one another because of what? Here, real simple is this. Number one, God is love. You've heard that said, very elementary kind of a statement. He talks about it in 1 John 4, 7, and 8. This used to be, a, this was a song that I remember my kids were singing when they were growing up in church. It says, beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everybody that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loveth not, if you remember the song, you're like, yes, cha-cha-cha, right after that part, knoweth not God. Because God is love. I, I, I read that and I'm, I'm thinking about this and I'm going, wait a second. If, if God loves me, but I'm not loving people the way that I'm supposed to, do I really love God? Right? Now you think about this in your own personal relationships. It's very, very easy to say the phrase, I love you. I mean, it, it comes out of us Sometimes too easy, sometimes it, it, it loses significance sometimes when, we, when it just becomes part of our maybe even daily catechism. But the thing about saying I love you, I love you is not just a phrase, a term of endearment. I love you is something that, that, that you are giving, right? I tell my wife I love her, but because I love her, there's going to be some things I'm going to do for her because I want to demonstrate my love for her. I want to prove it. I want to prove, the Bible says this, prove the sincerity of your love. See, it's really easy to say it, isn't it? Hey, I love you. Oh, thank you for loving me. Hey, can, no, nah, I don't want to do that. Hey, can, no, nah, I don't want to do that. And God's saying the same thing. Hey, hey, son, hey, daughter, hey, person that's taking my name. I love you. You say, well, I love you back. Okay, well, can you love people that I love too? God says, wait a minute. If you love me, you're going to love people that I love. And that becomes a value to us. And the reason we love one another has more to do with who God is than who we are. Because our identity, once we know Jesus Christ is personal Savior, is that we are born in Him. We are His sons, we are His daughters, we're part of His family, and we've got to start emulating or valuing the things that He values. God is love. His very nature is love. And I know we talk about, well, when you talk about revelations and you talk about the judgment you talk about the justice of God you talk about the wrath of God and those are things that really become values in some of our religious systems of today listen the very core of everything that we believe out of God's word is is God is love he doesn't want everybody to die well he created hell he didn't create hell for us he created hell for Satan and his fallen angels and he wanted you to not go there so badly that to take your place and this word the, the, this, this kind of long Christianese kind of word is called propitiation, right? This word propitiation for our sins means this. He took our punishment for us so that we wouldn't have to. 
He did that for us. And that's, that, that grace and mercy speaks of that love that God has for us. What is grace? Grace is unmerited favor. That's when somebody does something really, really nice for you for no reason. But mercy, which God also gives to us, is when he withholds or takes away a punishment that we deserve. We deserve, we deserve to die because of sin. You say, Pastor, that's pretty harsh. Listen, I'm not saying it about you. I'm saying it about all of us. The Bible says that God demonstrated. He didn't just say it. John 3, 16, he says it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. He didn't just say it. God demonstrated his love for us even though we were sinners. And here's what that word means. Even though we were sinners, we were the absolute polar opposite of everything that God is as sinners. And even in that state of being separated from God, he said, I don't want you to spend eternity without me. Jesus, I need you to take their place. And he let his son die for us. So when you think about, oh, you know, God's wrath and God's mad at me. Listen, God's not mad. Everybody thinks that God's mad at him all the time. That's like a value in some religions. God's not mad at us. God's sad for us sometimes. When we walk away from him, when we do things we're not supposed to do, when we... There's a verse in 1 Thessalonians, says, quench not the Spirit of God, which means don't say no when the Holy Spirit's convicting you to do something. And what does the Holy Spirit convict us to do? Ask for forgiveness of sins. Why? Because God wants to bless us. He wants to bless us so much. And God, God's not withholding stuff from us because he's mad at us, but he's not going to allow us to live this blessed life if we're not obeying him. Remember the three words I said were the key words for 1 John last week? Obedience, love, and truth. The truth is, when we obey God, he's going to bless us. But no matter what, he loves us. Even when we're struggling with things. You say, I don't know how much God loves me. Listen, God's love doesn't change just because you're not where you're supposed to be with the Lord. As a matter of fact, God loves us so much, his Holy Spirit will come after you sometime and say, dude, you don't need to be doing that. Ma'am, you need to chill on that. You need to stop that. He'll put some roadblocks up. God will do whatever he has to do to get your attention so that you will make it right, so that you can live a blessed life. He desires that for all of us, church. The reason that we, God wants us to love one another is because his very nature and his very being is his love. Here's a second reason. This is going to sound redundant. God wants us to love one another because God sent his son. Verse 9 through 11, it says, God showed us, he showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. I don't know if there's a clearer gospel presentation than that. God showed us he loves us by sending his son into this world to die for us. And then he says this, this is real love. And it's not because we love God. It's that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to remove or take away our sins. Dear friends, because God loved you so much, we surely ought to love one another. Like, how can you respond in any other way towards other people when the love of Christ is in you, you know you've been forgiven, you know that you're saved, you know that your eternity is secure. That doesn't mean you're perfect, but it does mean you have a different trajectory of your life. And you see this blessed life that you have, why in the world would we want to hate the things that God loves? God says that does not happen if you're a true follower, if you truly love Christ and have him as your personal savior. Something happened inside of your life. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I read this verse to you last week. Therefore, if any man or woman be in Christ, he is a new creation. The Bible says old things are passed away and behold, all things are become new. You become different at that moment that you ask Christ to come into your life. God sent his son. And specifically, what did God send his son to do? 
to be the payment for our sins. Verse 10, it says, he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. I've had this conversation with many, many people. Why death? Why does the Bible have so much blood in it? Like why, it, it seems like Christianity is such a violent, violent, violent thing. Listen, God created, we're going to do a series, I think we're going to start it in the fall. I'm kind of, I'm navigating through it in my mind and my heart right now, I'm praying through it. We're going to talk about core values of why it's so significant that we put everything that we trust and believe in in the word of God. God created the heavens and the earth, and that's very, very significant, and it's important and we really need to understand that God is the creator and the sustainer of all the universe. Somebody say amen to that. Okay, that's what the Bible tells us, okay? So because God created everything, what does that mean? That means he owns everything. It's all his. You know, we've heard that song years ago. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns everything. Everything belongs to him. And what he's done for you and I, whatever you have, your house, your car, your stuff, your kids, your money, whatever you have belongs to God and he's trusted you to manage that. Now, we're not talking about giving today, but that's the primary principle when it comes to giving. I don't own anything. It all belongs to God. I'm just managing it for my short time here on earth, okay? That's, a, that's another day, another place we'll talk about that. But here's, here's what God did. God created an economic system because it belongs to him. You say, well, how can he do that? Well, here, very, very simply. If you travel out of the country when we take a little commercial, a missions trip this later this year or next year, you have to do something that's very, very confusing to Americans when they travel overseas. You have to change your money. Well, I got the American dollar. Your American dollar doesn't do jack squat in countries that aren't the United States of America. Now, you could flash it. Well, look at all these bills I have. Well, that's great. Well, you can't buy anything there. We really noticed this when we went with a bunch of pastors to Cuba a few years ago. One of the guys forgot to change money. We went into the store. He wanted to buy something. And he started negotiating with the guy. Well how, well, how about $50? Or how about $60? Or how about $70? The guy said, we don't take your money here. You're not in the United States. And the guy turned around and said, man, this guy speaks really good English. Right? So, you know, it was kind of a funny thing. But that's the economic system of the country there. And they have every right to do that. You can't, use, you can't use United States money in different countries because they're in a different economic system, different banks and so on and so forth. Who's right, who's wrong, it doesn't matter. That country can do whatever they want to do when it comes to money, right? Well, God owns everything. It's all his. And he said, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. That's his economics. Sin is the very opposite of God. God is love. God can't sin. God can't look on sin. We know that because when Jesus was on the cross, he cried out to his father at the moment when he took every sin that I committed, every sin that you committed, Jesus looked up into heaven. God had to turn his back on his only son because of my sin and his sin was on Jesus' body. Father, why have you forsaken me? He had to turn his back on his son because of me, because of you, because of our sin. But because Jesus shed his blood the perfect, true sacrifice, that blood was enough to be a, a payment for forgiveness of every sin that's ever been committed throughout the history of mankind. But here's the significance of that. You have to believe it. You got to believe it. But it happened. You could be skeptical about it. You could be doubtful. Well, you know, I don't really think the Bible says that. Well, that's, that's, that's you, you can choose. And that's the thing. I love, I love the, the part of that song that we were singing. Um, 
about the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come fill the place with this atmosphere. Let us become more aware of your presence, right? Love, 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 love that. I love the verse from Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 20. And there's a really good painting about this, about Jesus standing at the door, and there's a door that has no doorknob on it on the outside, but there's a doorknob on the inside. And it shows a picture of Jesus there. Now, you might not like pictures of Jesus. We don't know what Jesus looked like. Right? We know, we know what country he was from. We know the region he's from. He probably had darker skin than the white Jesus that's in a lot of pictures today. I don't know. But I, I do know that everybody has a kind of... Per, I had, we had this awesome, awesome black family in our church up in Philadelphia that we were really, really close to. And I went in, and they had a picture of the Lord's Supper, and Jesus had a big old fro, and it was all, it was all black people there. And I looked at it, and I said... I wonder if that's more accurate than the Last Supper pictures that we see. And they were like, darn straight, you know, like that kind of a thing. And we don't know. We don't know. But we do know this. This is a caricature of whatever people think Jesus looks like. And the picture is this. No doorknob. And Jesus is standing at the door. And that's what this verse in Revelation chapter 3, verse number 20 says. Behold, I stand at the door and I'm knocking. If you let me in... I'll come in and sup with you and you with me and I'll be part of your life is what the verse is saying. But here's the thing. Just because he's knocking doesn't mean we're letting him in. God speaks to you. He invites you. He prompts you. He draws you. The Holy Spirit does that. But you make the conscious decision on whether I can't make you get saved. I can't make you accept Christ as your Savior. Nobody can do that. God's not even going to do that. But here's what God's going to do. Everything he could possibly do to prove to you the sincerity of his love. He let his son die. He's drawing you with his Holy Spirit. He's helping you understand the scripture. But there comes a point in your life when you say, yes, I believe, or no, this is not for me. And, and, but that's God's economic system. Jesus was the payment for our sins. Why? So that we could live through him. Verse number 9, it says, so that we might have eternal life through him or through Jesus. So why are we supposed to love one another, right? Why are we supposed to love one another? Because God is love, because God sent his son. Here's the last thing this morning. This is very significant. Right to what we were singing about this morning about the Holy Spirit. is because God abides or lives inside of us. Verses 12 through 16 it says, nobody's ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in and through us. And God has given us the Spirit as proof that we live in Him and He lives in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Now, this is John. Remember who John is? He's, he's the disciple that's closest to the heart of Jesus. He was so close. If you were here on Mother's Day, you remember what my wife talked, spoke on Mother's Day to us and she talked about how Jesus trusted he loved John so much that he trusted to watch care of his mother to her. Even on his dying, dying time, Jesus made sure his mother was taken care of. John saw that. John heard the great messages and was moved. John was there when Jesus said, take all this food to these people on the side of the mountain. And they were, Okay, here we go. He did that. John was there when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. John was there when Jesus was dead. And he wasn't just like watching from afar. He was right there when they took his body off the cross. And they put him in a borrowed tomb of a guy named Joseph of Arimathea. He was there when they wrapped his body up and they rolled the stone over. He saw all that stuff happen. He saw the guards at the gate. But you know what else he saw? He saw Jesus who was alive. And he said this, I'm giving testimony to the fact. And I declare, all who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living inside of them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, 
and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. So church, if we love God, we're going to love the one. We're going to learn to love one another. That's hard. I mean, some of the stuff about Christianity, that's the thing, that's one of the reasons I said this idea in the beginning. Well, just give me the bottom line. I don't know if you've ever had this opportunity when witnessing to somebody, you know, say, well, what's the catch? You know, I know, you know, come to church, ask Jesus to be my Savior. What's the catch? Do I got to start? I haven't had a guy say this to me one time. So you're telling me that if I ask Jesus to come into my heart, I'm saved, forgiven, and I'm his child, and I'm going to go to heaven forever and ever and ever. I said, that's right. He took his checkbook out. He said, well, I'm going to do that today. I, do I need to give money to the church? I said, soon, but not now. <laughs> I said, no, it doesn't cost you anything. The price has been paid for by Jesus. He did that because he loves you. That's why he did that for us. And he, that, There's got to be a catch. There's got to be a catch. What's the fine print? What's the fine print of Christianity? We were joking a couple weeks ago about reading through Leviticus, and my dear friend, Best greeter in the history of the universe, Tammy Young, right here. Give Tammy Young a big hand, right? Um, Tammy and I, came, she came up to me afterwards. She said, Pastor, I'm reading Leviticus too. My mom told me to read it, and it's kicking my butt. I said, it's kicking my butt too, so I would be accountable with you this week. So I would read through a couple chapters and send them to her, and I would read through a couple chapters and send them to her. And I said, hallelujah, I'm done. She said, I'm not done yet, but it's really hard, you know, that kind of a thing, right? You, you wonder, like, you know, if I ask John 3.16, if I believe that, if I believe the stuff he's talking out of 1 John today, if I believe it, if I believe it, I believe it. i got to go back and read Leviticus someday to find out what the real deal is, right? The book of the law. No, he really does love you. He did all that because of you, because he knew that you needed to be forgiven. He did that because he wants you, he longs for a true real relationship with you and me. I, can you believe and believe that sometimes? It's hard to believe sometimes. I think that's why people think there's a catch because they look in the mirror of their own lives and say, why would anybody love me? Why would anybody love me? God does. And he loved you so much he gave his son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. We're supposed to love one another. It's a commandment. But it's not just a commandment. It ought to be fruit in our life that grows from us being a healthy Christian. Now let me cut you some slack for a second. The day that you get saved doesn't turn into a big love fest for everybody. Dear Jesus, come into my life. Please save me in Jesus' name, amen. I love you. Oh, you know. Growing into the person that you're supposed to become, it's a lifetime. I'm 56. I've been saved since I was 12. I'm not the person I'm going to be yet, but I'm not who I was when I was 12. And I've had, and I don't know about you, I, I've had some of these times and some of these times. And some of these times. Right? You come back up a little bit. And sometimes I'm steady Freddy. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not bad, but I'm not good. And I'm not, I'm a, we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago and how dangerous it is to be indifferent. I'm a, I'm a believer, but do I really need to go to church that much? I'm a believer, but is it really important for me to give? I'm a believer, but is it really, oh, you know, we get very indifferent towards the things of God. When God went, and, and taking a step, and taking a step, and taking a step of maturity, and realizing who he is. We love one another because he is love. We love one another because he gave us everything, and he has every right to tell us what to do. 
and he lives inside of us. Do you know and love God this morning? Do you love people the way that you're supposed to? If you don't, here's, here's what's great. There's not a six-week class on it. Kim and I are doing a five-week class on marriage. Had a great, great first week. We're doing the five love languages. This week we talked about, what did we talk about this week, Madison? Words of affirmation. Girl, I was waiting to ask you that question. Very, very. If I would have asked your husband, would he have remembered it too? Okay, okay. He don't help me out. We're going to have another great week this week. We're going to review a little bit. If you didn't come the first week, you're certainly welcome to come every other time. It's going to be a great, great time with other couples. We had an awesome time uh, together on Wednesday night. But there's not like a six-week course where you're like, I asked Jesus to be my Savior. I'm going to go through this discipleship manual. And then six weeks, after learning all the stuff about being a Christian, I'm going to really start loving people the way that I'm supposed to. Now, it takes time. It's something you grow into. It's something you mature into. And you know what? The more you love God, the Believe it or not, the easier it becomes to love others, the easier it becomes to love others. He lives inside of us, wants you to understand him, wants you to know him, wants you to submit to him today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this letter that you gave uh, somebody you loved a lot, John, to tell us the security we have in our relationship with you, the value of the relationship we have with you, and even some of the expectation level. You told us that because you love us, we're supposed to love others. That ought to be a natural consequence of us inviting Jesus into our hearts to be Lord and Savior of our lives. Father, I pray this morning that you'll help us, for, for, for everyone in this room that knows Christ as their Savior, I pray that you'll show us today and throughout this week how we can love others better. And we know what's going to happen. It's going to be something that's really challenging for us. It's not going to be like, you know, our favorite aunt or our mom and dad or our wife or whatever. It's going to be something that's like, oh, that's a challenging person, Lord. What are you doing here? He's teaching us and guiding us. Just listen to him and submit to him. If you know him as Savior, pray right now. Father, help me to love people the way that you want me to, the way that you're commanding me to. Help me to be a reflection of you. If you don't know Jesus today as your Savior, you're in a great welcoming place where we celebrate and give people the opportunities to have a relationship with God. And we pray that that's something you'll consider doing this morning. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It says later on in that same book, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So so this is what the Bible is teaching us this morning. Acknowledging the fact historically that Jesus died on the cross and rose again three days later, that's an acknowledgement of truth. But here's the difference of being a believer. A believer is somebody who acknowledges it and asks Jesus to forgive them and come into their lives and gives their life to him. If if you believe in Jesus but you want to be one of his followers this morning, I want to invite you to pray with me right where you're sitting. It's a very simple prayer. You don't have to say it out loud. Nobody else is looking at you. Nobody else is going to know that you're doing this. This is between you and God this morning. If you want to be a believer this morning in Jesus and be a follower of Jesus, pray this prayer with me this morning. Just say this to God real quietly right where you're sitting. Just say, Dear Father in heaven, thank you for demonstrating your love to me. I believe that your son died. I believe that he's alive. 
and I believe he did that so that I could be forgiven. Would you please come into my heart and save me this morning and help me to live for you? And keep your eyes closed, but say this, in Jesus' name, amen. You just prayed a prayer that changes your life forever. And we want to thank God for that decision you made this morning. Like I said, nobody's going to come up to you and make you feel embarrassed or anything weird like that. But I want to just pray for you in just a moment while nobody else is looking. If you prayed with me and invited Jesus to come into your heart, would you just real quietly just lift your hand up in the air real quickly right where you're sitting. Pastor Ed, I prayed with you. Invited Jesus to come into my heart this morning. And I want to thank you for that. If you prayed that prayer online, would you please reach out to us today at hello at warehousechurch.com. We would love to have a conversation with you and help you to be able to grow in your faith in Him. Father in heaven, we love you. You gave. Lord, the... The thing about we learn from Scripture every every single week, Lord, is God gave. God gave. God gave His Son, Jesus. God gave us love. God gave us forgiveness. You are such a generous, generous, generous God and forgiving God and patient God. And we thank you for that. Lord, thank you for being patient with me this week, for all of us this week. Help us to demonstrate your love to somebody who needs Jesus this week. We thank you and pray that we won't just be hearers of the word today, Lord, that we'll be doers. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody in agreement said this with me. Amen. I'm going to ask my...